This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the greatest MCU movie of all time crossover podcast, the show that uses a unique grading style to redefine what the greatest MCU movies are. I'm Tom Duncan. And I am Adam. Today we are discussing the sixth movie of the MCU, the team-up film, The Avengers, originally released on May 4th, 2012. Written and directed by Joss Whedon, music by Alan Silvestri, starring Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark slash Iron Man, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers slash Captain America, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner slash Hulk, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff slash Black Widow, Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton slash Hawkeye, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Stellan Skarsgård as Eric Selvig, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Clark Gregg appears as Phil Coulson, Colby Smulders as Maria Hill, Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, Maximiliano Hernandez as Jasper Sitwell, and Paul Bettany as Jarvis. All right, I hope you're ready and prepared this time. What did you think the budget for this film was? Okay, I did come with some guesses. I'm going to guess, and I, and I refrained from looking it up. I wanted to. I was tempted, but I was like, no, I'm going to guess. I think it's around $1.5 for this movie. In gross, yes, you are correct, in the worldwide box office. However, I asked the budget. Oh, <laughs> my bad. Budget. Um, I'm going to guess... $275 million. So not terribly far off. It's a little lower. It's estimated between 220 and 225 And where would you think this ranks in the all-time box office grosses among NCU films? Well, for, for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny to be $400 million and this movie to be what it is, that's just a, a crime. I'm going to guess this is fourth in the MCU. Correct. And what are the three movies ahead of it? Endgame and Infinity War... And I, 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 oh, and No Way Home. Correct. And in, I believe, the correct order, even. So total domestic box office was $623.4 million. Domestic opening weekend, it set the record at the time, breaking the Dark Knight's opening weekend record with $207.4 million. Critic scores for this movie, Rotten Tomatoes is out of 100. What do you think? 88. Not bad. 91. We had a Metacritic score of 69, which also is not bad for a Marvel superhero film. You want to guess the letterbox score out of five. And they do have decimal points. Oh, letterboxed. Um, I'm going to guess 4.6. We had 3.6. So not as much among the, let's say, movie, social media, and review crowd. Film nerds. Yeah, which it stands to reason. I mean, enough of the film nerds I've met, they're all kind of like, we need to move on from superhero films. Uh, Kind of in the vein of uh, Martin Scorsese. But plot summary for this film. When Thor's evil brother Loki, Tom Hiddleston, gains access to the unlimited power of the energy cube called the Tesseract, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., initiates a superhero recruitment effort to defeat the unprecedented threat to Earth. Joining Fury's dream team are Iron Man, 
Captain America, the Hulk, Thor, the Black Widow, and Hawkeye. All right. Did you know Robert Downey Jr. kept food hidden all over the lab set, and apparently nobody could find where it was, so they just let him continue doing it. In the movie, that's his actual food he's offering, and when he was eating, it wasn't scripted. He was just hungry. <laughs> that's amazing. Did you know? In the final end credit scene, Captain America is the only one not eating. That is because Chris Evans got a buzz cut and grew out his beard after this movie was done filming. He was called in later to do this extra scene and couldn't shave off his beard due to filming Snowpiercer at the time. So they gave him a prosthetic jaw. He holds his hand over his face because the prosthetic made him look like he'd been attacked by a hive of angry bees. He also is unable to eat or talk with the prosthetic on. Did you know? Joss Whedon explained that two of the founding Avenger members, Ant-Man and Wasp, were cut from the script because the film had too many characters. Also, the screenwriters didn't want Ant-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe until his movie was actually released. So we were very close to getting Ant-Man early. Did you know? According to writer and director Joss Whedon, the original cut of the movie was over three hours long. About 30 minutes of excise footage are included on the Blu-ray, most of which revolves around Steve Rogers struggling to adjust to the modern world. Chris Evans announced later that these deleted scenes would be used for Captain America the Winter Soldier. But let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Before we jump back into the episode, next month we are ending Phase 1 with a look back at all six films from Iron Man through the Avengers, and we take a quarter poll on where we stand with each Hall of Fame category. Make sure you are subscribed to this feed and the streaming circuit to get that episode. So if you do want the first half of our discussion on this movie, you can subscribe to the streaming circuit podcast for that. But we're here now to apply the patent pending Stan Lee rubric started by my regular show, Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, to determine the greatest MCU movie of all time. If you've never listened to the show before, that's okay. My regular show, Greatest Movie of All Time, uses our patent pending Stan Lee rubric to grade movies on their legacy, their impact and significance in the moment of their release, their novelty, their classicness, and their rewatchability. Plus, then we give all of you some points, too, by incorporating the audience scores from both Google and Rotten Tomato users. So we have renamed this the Stan Lee rubric for our purposes here. Adam, Legacy is up first, and I will remind you yet again that this category is one of the split ones between audience and the industry. But do you want to lead off or do you want to go second? I will lead off. I remembered this time. It's five and five. It's not just, uh, you know, so I, I remember it now. So is that your score or that you're just no, 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 repeating I'm just saying what, like, what the division is? Yes. Yeah. Just you know, showing that I know it. I'm growing here. It, you know, it only took me, what, 11 appearances on, the, on, on your pod to get it. But I think I got it now. So we're good. <laughs> we're good. Did you know? I figured it out. So industry. I went with a five out of five for industry. I think this movie is so important to the movie industry, not only the box office and what it made, but it also, you know, Joss Whedon, which we touched on on my pod, wasn't like a huge, he'd done some things, but this movie really put him on the map and ultimately got him Justice League as well. Like he became such a big name that DC was like, we have to get Joss Whedon to do Justice League because he did the other one so he could do this one. The actors obviously all exploded after this. It created a million copycats in franchise IP with movies trying to do what Marvel has done and failed. Most of them failed. 
but I just think the legacy of this film in the industry is immense. So what's your final score then? For industry, it was a five. For public... And for audience? Yeah, for public, I went with a four. Very high box office. People went to see it, but has been passed, like I said, numerous times, or three times. And I think people... Marvel fans in particular really enjoy this movie, but it's not the first one they're probably going to go back and watch. Like if they're going to rewatch Avengers movies, they're probably doing Infinity War and Endgame. They're probably not going to this. I think most people would say this is the third best Avengers movie, probably. At best, I think people would say second. Um, I don't think many people at all would put this over Infinity War. So I think it's very high legacy for the public, but I wouldn't go a perfect five. And I get that particularly because I gave it the exact same score as you. But I think part of my reasoning for doing that was, is once again, I should reiterate that we're only judging these upon the MCU movies in total. So we're comparing this against all other MCU movies as opposed to just movies in general. And because I think this is important to what the overall legacy of this franchise or where this universe was going, I think it has to be, high on that but i do think it has waned over time because of all of the references back to it that you didn't really need to have this fresh of mind all the time because you're so reminded of everything that happened in it now i do think this is in some ways is kind of the origin point where it really launches everything if like iron man really started or got the ball rolling this is like the first major ripple where everything that comes from it I mean, how many times wasn't the Battle of New York basically referenced back to, or they went back to it in some regard? I mean, they came back to it years later when they did Homecoming, for gosh sakes, with the cleanup and all the other crap that was going on. So it's had an outsized effect, but I also didn't want to give like full tens on just about every category. So I'm going to preemptively say this movie's going to score very highly on just about every category here. Because I do think it is kind of the pivot moment by which if this movie wasn't good, the MCU probably dies. But because it was good, then we have this mega franchise that's probably the thing that's changed movies the most over the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah, for sure. If this movie fails, I think we still get Iron Man. Like I still I think they would still go with that franchise and do Iron Man 3 and maybe they do more than that but i i think if this movie fails thor's done captain america's done like they're not going to continue those franchises and they're certainly not going to keep doing avengers movies if this had failed i think iron man would have been the only thing left standing so i had a five for the industry and i had a four for the audience giving us a nine average total impact and significance i'll make this pretty simple i had a full 10 the audience was clearly there for this this made a ton of money at the time it was one of the biggest movies on the planet for probably years around it. So give or take two or three years on either side of it, it was one of the biggest movies. And other than maybe Harry Potter or Batman, this was like the biggest franchise at the moment. It became the world's largest franchise as a result of that. So if you're taking the category to its fullest extent within that five years of the impact and significance, I think that's huge because of how many other movies came after it as a result of it. And you mentioned how each of these stars kind of became a household name. Everybody has their projection on who they like the most out of any of these. All of that goes into account, and I go, I don't know how I could have gone any less than a 10 on the at least the impact part of it. 
Yeah, I also I went impact significance for the industry. I went with a five. All the copycats that followed. I mean, DC has tried to do it, and they tried to microwave their franchise and just be like, "Well, we got to get them all together right now and just get to where Marvel is," and that didn't work. The Universal Monster Universe. I mean, DOA just <laughs> just immediately done. You know, they're trying with Godzilla and Kong and and all this stuff. And there's so many different franchises that have tried to do this because they see what Marvel has done and think it can be replicated. And maybe it can. Maybe all these people just aren't good at what they're doing. I don't know. But the impact and significance that this movie in particular had showing all of these studios that you can take characters from different movies and put them into into one movie and make it work. Huge impact significance and for the four of republic i gave it a four to five okay the big things from this movie it gave us ruffalo as hulk which i think people universally love ruffalo is the hulk that could have easily been a i think if norton's in this movie that's weird it wouldn't have worked and they could have easily made a wrong casting choice but i think they really nailed it with ruffalo you know tony stark iron man became huge loki became a thing like he was fine in thor i think people liked him in thor but it's this movie that Hiddleston really exploded and took off and that character took off. We get Thanos, which is where the, you know, the end game is going. Um, I think there's a lot there, but also like you, I didn't want to give it tens um, all the time. So I'll give it a nine out of 10 total for this category. So that would be a 9.5 average between the two of us. Novelty. I went full 10. I mean, as far as team up movies go in superhero films, this is the pinnacle I mean, this establishes the template. It's the only one where I I would say that successfully you had superheroes that were standalones in other films and they somehow came together and the movie worked and it begets everything else after it. And while I don't think this is necessarily novel in its subject material, that alone breaking the barrier of a team up movie for superheroes to create these this larger MCU universe, I think it has to be given a full 10. Totally agree. I gave it a full 10. No one had ever tried this on the scale before. I mean, imagine going like time traveling back to 2006, let's say, and they made a movie and they're like, listen, we're going to have Tobey Maguire and we're going to have all the X-Men and all the Fantastic Four and Blade. And we're just going to throw them into a movie. People would have lost their minds. People would not have known how to handle it. They would have been like, what the hell is that movie? Like, that's never going to work. It's going to fail. How can you possibly do that? So the fact that they did it and had the balls to do it, and they're just like, this is our plan. We're going to see it through. Because it's not like the movies before this lit up the box office. I mean, Iron Man was successful. But Thor and Hulk and Cap were not did not make a ton of money. The studio could have easily said, we can't really justify spending this much money on these movies because these movies didn't make any money, but they followed through the plan. They stuck to it and it paid off in spades. Yeah. Novelty superheroes aren't very novel, but this concept is. Well, I wouldn't have given this full novelty if we were judging this against all movies, but in the context of the MCU itself, and just, I guess if you want to incorporate other superhero films, this had never been done and there was no guarantee was going to work. So it was audacious just to even try. And it's successful, so that's why we're here. Classicness is always a difficult category in amongst the MCU films. I think I would have to, instead of making it like, have these movies aged poorly or not, I think the one time that we really had some low classicness scores was when they basically retconned certain movies 
So obviously the Incredible Hulk comes to mind because they basically use none of the characters, at least to this point, from that movie. And obviously they recast the primary actor. So among that, there are no major recastings. I would say that the undoing of the Phil Coulson death kind of gives me at least like a half point to maybe a point off because it kind of stinks that the one linchpin or the emotional catharsis of the movie is immediately forgotten in service of making a marginal TV show. But okay, fine. I mean, in the comics, no one's ever like fully dead. I guess I expect at some point Tony Stark to show up again. We're all kind of just waiting for it. But outside of that, this movie still hits me in the certain spots. Like when they do the 360 character friendship bracelet or whatever you wanted to call it in the first part of this show. <laughs> friendship circle. Friendship not circle. A, fine. Not a bracelet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> you know, that moment with the bombastic music for the first time, it still hits you in the way that it did for me seeing it in the theater for the first time. And then when they do the montage shot where Iron Man's flying and then he's on the back of the, I don't even know what that flying like giant creature is, but then you see Hulk taking off one piece of the armor and putting it through and Thor hammering it in with the lightning or any of those types of sequences in this. I think this movie works. Like, is it perfect from start to finish? No, but I think it hits enough of the high notes and especially dedicating those last 48 minutes to being like the one giant battle. I think this grades out pretty well for that. So I ended up deferring to a 9.5. Okay, so I'm going to make my points. And then if I don't remember, I'm going to tell you now to remind me. I want us to play a little game when I'm done with our, when I'm done with my points. So if I don't, if Are I we going back to our discussion on Saw already? Well played. Touche. Listen to the first part of this episode on the streaming circuit to catch that joke. No, but remind me about the game if I forget. Okay. But my points, you make a great point with Coulson. I hate that they revived him. And you make a good point. Characters usually don't die in comics, but they're usually talking about the superheroes not Phil Coulson. He can stay dead as far as I'm concerned. I never watched the show, so it doesn't bother me a ton, but it's just the, the idea that he's running around somewhere I don't love. Also, this movie is not one that I'm overly high on. Like, I like the movie a lot, but it's it's kind of in the lower top 10 for me in Marvel, probably. It's not right at the top. And you make a lot of great points about they keep going back to this movie a lot and referencing it. And while I don't think it's taken anything away from this movie, it does kind of cheapen it a little bit, I feel like. But on the other hand, the first time the Avengers assemble is unbelievable. This is one of the best scores ever, or one of the best themes, in my opinion, in the history of Hollywood. The Avengers theme is so iconic. And I, I think even if you don't like superhero movies, I hope you at least appreciate the theme of the Avengers because it's amazing. And there is one recast of note. Thanos was recast. I don't think he was like any particular actor in this one. And then they got an actual actor to be him in subsequent films. But well, I, Ron taken. Perlman, Ron Perlman, I believe was Thanos in this movie. Okay. Well, then I did not know that. Cause I thought they just had like a character on screen. I didn't think there was any particular actor in the I don't know digital makeup or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I believe Ron Perlman was in this movie. And then I think they switched to Brolin for Guardians, or maybe Perlman was still in Guardians. I don't I don't remember. But yeah, that's the only one I can think of. 
but yeah, so I gave it an eight for a score for classicness. Okay. Do you want to play a game? I do. I want us to try and name all the times that they referenced, or maybe not referenced, but showed us different points of view of the Battle of New York moving forward after this. I want to see if we can, how many we can name. Okay. And to be, to be clear, I don't have the list in front of me, so we might miss them, but I want to see how many we can brainstorm together. Well, the obvious ones are in-game, where you had the battle going on while Hulk is trying to, I guess it's more Bruce Banner at that point, but trying to get the Time Stone from the Ancient One. You yeah. had them actually on the ground in the Battle of New York. Well, I'm counting all that as one. Like, so you're just counting that that holy. So, is it based on part per film or? Yeah, I guess per film. Yeah, like I, I consider the time okay. travel like all. So one, one there's reference. obvious callbacks in Iron Man three because he has like visions or nightmares or PTSD from Battle of New York. Yeah. Uh, there's also, I think there's callbacks in Age of Ultron. I believe so. I don't think they show us anything different though. No, if you're just talking footage, though, I mean... Yeah, I'm talking about, like, they showed us, uh, like, they took us back to the battle, but kind of showed us a different point of view, if you will. Like, not just, not just like, referenced it, because, I mean, we'd be here all night talking about when they referenced it, but... So I'm thinking, you know, Endgame, Homecoming with the, the cleanup. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Hawkeye, when Kate Bishop is uh, watching it from her window... And, and seeing we see Hawkeye from behind. Would you count the first episode of Loki that's basically just a recopy of the perspective from Endgame as a separate thing or no? Oh, no, I think that counts. I would count that. And I and I would count the Iron Man 3 PTSD because I feel like we... They might not be new shots, but they're kind of different context. Okay. When you see him. So there's five. Are we missing any more? We probably are, but it's been a while since I've watched the whole thing straight through. Yeah, I assume the shows probably did, like the Daredevil shows, the Luke Cage shows. I'm guessing they probably no, actually did. none of them did. Really? Nope. Because it existed outside of that, so no, it it had. I think there is like a newspaper article reference to the Battle of New York at one point, but outside of that, they make no reference to the larger MCU during any of those shows. Because I watched all of them except for. Basically, once they canceled all of them, I didn't watch the last seasons that they had come up with. So I think there's like a Luke Cage season two that I didn't watch. There's a Devil Daredevil season three I didn't watch. There's a uh, Jessica Jones season two that I didn't watch because I'm like, if these are all canceled, what's the point? Yeah, I watched Luke Cage season one and that's it. I watched a few Daredevil episodes and that's about it. I was not into those shows. I think Daredevil season one might be one of the best mini series of a superhero show that uh, I think they could have ever created. So that's why I was a little bummed when they just kind of axed the whole thing. I mean, I understand what they were trying to do at the time, but still was like, uh, really? Yeah, I've heard that. And now they're into this like war of words between the guys that did the Netflix show and then all the public releases about Daredevil Reborn or whatever. It's getting a little ugly and unseemly if you ask me, but yeah, that's strange. They've handled that interesting. You know, interesting yeah. ways. They've handled all that. But all right, we got five. That's pretty good. All right. So uh, classicness, going back to the original score, we had an 8.75 average between the two of us. 
I think your rewatchability score is going to be much different than mine, given that uh, given your previous comments. But I had a full ten because I think I mentioned it in the first part of this this episode or whatever. The first part that's going to be in your feed that this is the second most watched probably MCU movie that MCU movie I've watched the second most behind Iron Man probably all time. So for me, this is a movie I can put on at almost any time and enjoy it even more to a degree than probably Infinity War or Endgame that I have not returned to nearly as much. Wow. I gave it a seven. I like watching this movie. I enjoy it. I always have a good time watching it, but it's not one that I frequently go back to for a few reasons. One, because I just there's so many characters in the MCU that I love that haven't been established yet. So if you're giving me a choice and I'm choosing of like, well, I could watch the first Avengers or I could watch, you know, Endgame or Civil War or whatever, where I can see Ant-Man and Spider-Man and Black Panther, um, I'm probably going to choose those because they have some of my favorite characters. So that's one reason. And then another reason, this might be controversial. I don't know. The visuals in this movie are not great to me. I, I don't like how this is shot. This this movie looks very Agents of shield E. It looks very television E. The cinematography, which is interesting, since in you've movie. never actually watched that show, I know, but I just like I can feel it. And, and do you agree with me on that? Like this does not look like, like like Infinity War and Endgame, which I understand are made later on, like in later years. But the technology was not that far advanced from when this was shot. Those look like real c- cinematic movies. They're like IMAX type movies. This movie does not look like that to me. It looks very gritty and very like television e i don't know if i would necessarily agree but i do think that like subsequent movies were much better visual effects i i don't know if i would put this on the level of putting it on television necessarily i don't even mean the visual effects i just mean like even when they're just standing in a room talking in endgame it just looks so much crisper and cleaner and this movie i don't know it just when i watch it, it it looks like i'm watching a television show when they're just even standing around talking on the helicarrier or in the beginning with Nick Fury, when it's like really dark and I don't know, it just, to me, the visuals, I don't love, it looks television to me. And I don't, I don't love that. I mean, that's fine. And that's a fair point. I don't know if I would necessarily completely agree, but on the same line, like there's some unnecessary Dutch angles in this where they're just moving the camera for the sake of moving the camera and the 360 stuff they fall in love with a little bit too often, for my opinion, just to show that they can do it, but not necessarily that they should do it. But again, it's based on who the director is and kind of the overall Marvel formula. This is still pre-existing some of that. So I have to give it a little bit of a pass, but I understand where you're coming from. That's fine. Yeah. And this movie also, which... I don't personally have a problem with it, but I could see a lot of people. It is very exposition heavy. There is a lot of just standing around and a lot of talking, which I don't mind, but I like it. I, li- I mean, I like when the characters interact with each other and talk and quip with each other or argue with each other. But this movie is a lot of like, it almost feels like a science class at times. Like some, someone is just explaining the science behind something. And there's a lot of that, I feel like, in this movie too. Well, but I think some of the MCU movies that I like the most are very exposition heavy. Like Civil War is very exposition heavy. I agree, and I, I I do enjoy that, but I don't know. This felt this feels a little different to me than uh, than just characters talking. This feels like characters explaining things to each other. 
like often Tony is explaining something to Captain America because he doesn't understand like technology. And he's like, I, I get that reference. Um, so I, he's I don't not know, a just, like smart person. Yeah. And like Tony says something or no, Bruce says something and Tony goes, finally, someone speaking English. And Cap's like, is that what just happened? It feels like there's a lot of that in this movie, which I don't mind, but it's just different than most of the other Avengers movies. When the, when they, when they talk in the other Avengers movies, it's a lot more just interacting with characters with one another rather than someone sitting down and explaining something over and over and over again to different characters. That's fair. So rewatchability then would be an 8.5 average between the two of us. Audience score, we had an 85% for Google users and a 91% for Rotten Tomato users, giving us an 8.8. So to repeat the categories, we had a 9 for Legacy, 9.5 for Impact and Significance, 10 for Novelty, 8.75 for Classicness, an 8.5 for Rewatchability, and an 8.8 for Audience score, giving us a final total of... 54.5 and currently placing it on our list do you want to take a guess first of all that drum roll scared the shit out of me did not yeah i saw that that. oh my god i think i just had a heart attack holy crap um i think i'm gonna actually take a guess and say it is second nope it is number one by basically five points over iron man oh wow okay so fairly comfortable oh interesting i do think that there is a chance there will be two maybe three potential bigger ones but i think for the most part i would have expected this one to be near the top or if not maybe in the top five like by the end correct well i think two for sure maybe top five i don't know i, I think for sure top 10 100 top five i don't know depending on when we establish i mean because we're only doing this at least for right now with the infinity saga although we keep talking about talking about the TV shows and the other shit later, which then this would become a much bigger project. I got to have a uh, vehicle to talk about She-Hulk, man. I got to I got to have a vehicle <laughs> to talk about She-Hulk. Well, I don't know if we're going to cover like two or three episodes at a time or whatever, but I, we don't need to work that out on the air right now. Regardless, I think that Infinity War Endgame, Black Panther maybe no way home but again it depends on if we're just focusing solely on the infinity saga those are the only ones that i could really see advancing past this as far as the the overall categories and and the rest of it i think i think there's an argument to be made that infinity war and endgame could be above it black panther is going to be a very interesting discussion in general but outside of that i just I mean, is the original Guardians film, is Doctor Strange going to really be ahead of this one? I think some people might put Ragnarok, but it wasn't a like, high-grossing film in the same category as this. So I don't know if even that would be on the same level. Well, Doctor Strange has no chance. Let's just... We'll, we'll, That's we'll why I kind of spectru- threw it out uh, there. But. Remove suspense from that one. That one's not going to catch this one. I mean, it's not going to be Captain Marvel. No, it will not. Also, uh, I think Guardians, potentially. Ragnarok, potentially. Potentially, probably not. I think the two Captain America movies we've got left are going to be pretty high up there. Yeah, but I think it's going to be hard to best. A near 55 score means that you've got just about nines on everything. I mean, every movie that I just listed, those five or six or whatever, are all going to have much higher rewatchability scores for me. Fair, Off but the bat, I know, I know that's that. one category out of the six. True, true. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be high up there. 
I mean, if we go past Infinity Saga, No Way Home is definitely going to beat this for me. I mean, that movie is just orgasmic. It's yeah, so but good. you also have to remember that that's probably the least favorite of my three of the three Spider-Man movies for me. That's insane. You're insane. I enjoy messy food, though. I love all three of those Spider-Man movies. Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man, and it is not a debate, but... To, to say it's the worst one is... No, I just said it was my least favorite of the three movies. Okay, whatever. However you want to phrase it, that's unfathomable. That's silliness. Okay, I can at times be a very silly man. That's silliness. I'm going to go over there and tickle your feet. <laughs> Fuck for that, you. For that take. <laughs> so if you are ever curious about the rankings we have for each film we've covered so far on the greatest MCU movies of all time list, there's a link in the episode description of every episode of this particular series, or you can go to RonnieDuncanStudios.com backslash podcast and find it as one of the top entries on the greatest movie of all time podcast show page. That has the grades we've done for all the MCU movies we've graded so far and continue to add more each month. I have updated the site to make sure that there is a drop-down menu so you can see the individual scores from just the master list. So you don't even have to visit the individual episode page, but you're welcome to do that as well. So make sure to check that out as we go and follow along. If anyone would like to write the show, greatestalltimemoviepodcast at gmail.com in order to send me your thoughts on, I guess, why my third favorite of the Spider-Man movies is apparently everybody's favorite. I wonder why. I wonder why people like it. I don't know. (laughs) That's crazy. I don't wonder why people like it. I just, it was not the best one for me. Oh, okay. Well, now you just said best. You just gave me shit for saying worst, and and now you're using the term best. So which is it? Are we talking your favorites, or are we talking your bests? Counselor. If you're going to get based on the language, you have to use the whole phrasing. You can't take stuff parsed in and out of context. Otherwise, you're just cherry picking. You can't handle the truth. I can do whatever I want. You've watched that film once. And it's great. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's great. I need my bat. You do need your bat. Any final thoughts for this particular episode? I think it was a good episode. I like the Avengers. and And I'm glad we have the Avengers. Much to Marty... Scorsese's chagrin. I'm glad we have them in our lives. What would cinema even look like without without this? Like, where would we be? What would we be doing? I don't mind that we have this. Well, I should say I don't mind. Yeah. I enjoy that we have <laughs> the Avengers and we've had the MCU, although the fact that it's taken up so much of the energy in the room has left very little space for other stuff, and that I don't appreciate as much. I wish we'd had a wider variety of things that worked, but I think that's also because too many filmmakers, too many studios, and the rest of it have made decisions that have put us in this realm because there are so many other franchises trying to copy this model that unfortunately when they flop and they're not this, it has created such a backlash that their other movies can't take off because they were so financially hamstrung from creating bad franchise films and it's had a trickle down effect unfortunately which to a degree it's probably not marvel's fault either but it is somewhat of their responsibility and i do think that the chickens are coming home to roost now that disney is kind of in the same boat they're not sure what the legacy or the way forward with their legacy media company is going to be but i guess we'll see especially when we get done with these strikes Officially, during this episode, the uh, Writers Guild has announced that they have 
voted and approved the deal. So nice. There's that. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I, it's not Marvel's fault that they're successful. They make movies people want to see, and I, I will never begrudge anyone for making movies that people want to see. I think streaming also has done far worse to the movie industry than what Marvel has done. I mean, if we didn't have streaming, these these smaller movies would make way more money. But no one's going to rush out to see Gran Turismo in the theater, which is a, an amazing movie, by the way. If you have not seen Gran Turismo, it is awesome. Go see it. But who's going to rush out to go see it when they know in three weeks it's going to be on peacock or whatever like they don't have to go to the movies anymore to see movies they're only going to go to the movies that they don't want to get spoiled to and that's it no i i get it they're eating their own tail but i mean i'm not sure what the industry was necessarily expecting with all of that but that's going to do it for us this month thank you for listening i am iron man next month we are ending phase one with a look back at all six films from iron man through the avengers and we take a quarter poll on where we stand with each hall of fame category make sure you are subscribed to this feed and the streaming circuit to get that episode please like follow rate and review or whatever on whichever platform you have so that more can join in and are fun you can also email the show at the new or sign up for our newsletter Find our new Facebook page on a Braves Movie of All Time podcast, or find us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at the handle at Gmode Podcast. The Greatest Marvel Movie of All Time is a joint production of Ronnie Duncan Studios and The Streaming Circuit. The show is mixed, edited, and written by Thomas Duncan. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.